0: We should probably introduce you because you know we're very familiar uh, from you know our Twitter relationship. But um, <laughs> first of all, where can people find you on Twitter? And second of all, um, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, what do you what do you do? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me under at uh, camh with three underscores. Um, and who am I? Uh, It's pretty existential for someone who's 23, but I'm a full-time soccer coach here in Canada. um, And on the side, I like to write match analysis articles for the Serie Well, about the Serie i I'm not writing for them. I'm not that big. And I do video analysis uh, work on the side. That's just something I'm dabbling at the moment, but uh, that's mostly freelance work, nothing too steady
2: very very interesting for 23 listen man at 23 like what was i I was i was messing around i don't know what the hell was going on at at 23 like football analysis for me was just banter and and arguments at that point so props to you for getting stuck in and getting into it uh how did how did you start this like how how did you get into the coaching and the analysis side of things
1: so I started coaching when I was uh, 18 and that was just coaching, you know, kids um, like nine and 10 years old. The first group I ever coached was under 16. And that was the biggest mistake of my coaching career. Cause I was just two years older than them. And I got no respect, didn't know what I was doing. The first group uh, that I ever coached and it was abysmal. Um,
0: can, I, can I ask you a, a little follow-up question there? How did you try to get their respect? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I tried too hard to be friendly with them. Uh, I tried to relate to them too much. There was no authority. I wasn't trying to be an authority figure to them.
2: So you took so the... Was um, that was
1: definitely a big problem. They looked at me. You,
2: you took the... Um, who would I say?
0: Uh, Southgate. A little bit Southgate. Look, it, yeah. sounds,
2: it sounds like a Southgate approach. Except uh, they
0: They do seem to like him, though.
2: But do they respect That's the thing. They didn't like
1: <laughs> it? Didn't work so much for me, but um, they were—they were. It was mostly recreational kids who'd only played recreational soccer their entire lives, so they didn't take it too seriously, um, which is fine. But eventually, uh, I landed with a few decent clubs: SC Real Mississauga, North Mississauga, um, and now I'm out in Hamilton. But the SC Real Mississauga and North Mississauga they were quite competitive. As Cyril Mississauga has a team in the Canadian Soccer League, and there I was able to take on just older age groups by the more structured format. So the technical director had much more influence on what we coach the kids. I also had, I wouldn't necessarily direct influence on the first team, but I was an assistant coach for the first team. and My job was to analyze uh, teams that we were coming up against, and that's where I kind of uh, started looking at soccer more I guess in depth, but for the Canadian soccer league, it's a a pretty shit league comparatively to what I'm used to watching and to what everyone's used to watching. So the analysis is quite minimal, but if you can find out what players use, which feet, what positions they play, um, where the weak points are physically, how big they are is it's a pretty physical league, Canadian soccer league. And a lot of coaches just don't have time to like a lot of head coaches just don't have time to do that. So I got pretty good at that pretty quickly. But I was only with the first team for about three or four months, and then the club kind of went, kind of went under. And then I still hung around uh, Mississauga. And I moved out to Hamilton uh, to, well, for more money, really, and more opportunities. A lot of kids there will pay for one-on-one coaching because they're trying to get scholarships or trying to make the move into League One Ontario. So that's kind of where I've set up my one-on-one coaching business, not my bread and butter. My bread and butter is certainly the analysis
0: stuff amazing like it's it's honestly um the the football scene in Ontario is is developing and it's developing pretty fast I think but it's also still very much in its infancy when you compare it to other parts of the world and so I think I'm it's honestly very impressive that you can even make a, a livable income working in soccer in Ontario um And as I mean, some of it's freelance, some of it's with clubs. But either way, like that's an encouraging sign, and it obviously speaks well of of you and what you do. Um, You've also been doing analysis of the Canadian Premier League. So you said the CSL is shit. CPL, like when it when it launched, we were all over it, very excited. Very quickly, got very disappointed. Where are you? Where are you at with that? The
1: first season was garbage. And I think a lot of players will say, a lot of players have said the same thing. Quality just wasn't there yet because it was such a, you know, young league. And it's not, a, it's not a bad thing to say, it's just a young league. But now in the third season, um, well, there's stuff worth analyzing. And a lot of players are much more receptive to, I guess, modern uh, ways of playing, you know, play out through the back. They want to constantly press. You don't see a lot of um, shit housing for lack of a better word, like you would see in the CSL. Um the only club that might be doing that right now is Atletico Ottawa but that's only because they've been around for 2 years so and they've had a huge turnover in players for so the first season which was last season they had they pretty much got rid of 50% of their players from last season to this season and replace them so they kind of have to play shithouse I 4 blurring 442 football
0: also they're atleti
2: like it's just brand it's in their nature yeah yeah it's <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm guessing that it's, it's a little bit of a uh, proving ground maybe for Atletico and then they move them on to maybe some European clubs or like you know low-level European clubs from Canadian Premier League potentially. Have, have, does that happen for Atletico Ottawa?
1: I don't think so. I think the, a lot of clubs, like affiliate clubs, will use North America, North America as, a, as a breeding ground to, see, to test out talent. So they brought in a few players from Spain uh, to Canada. But none of them are worth. They're not that good. But mm. they could have a career in football, so they come to Canada try it out. I would say that the league is probably on par, currently, with maybe League Two in England. That's probably the fourth tier.
0: So that's not that bad. It's really not. It's, I'll take that. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. I I wonder if. I wonder if in Spain they're like, yeah, this guy's good, but can he do it on like a warm. Tuesday evening in Ottawa we'd better find out before we bring him to La Liga
1: that's the real testing ground is can you do it in Ottawa can you do it in like York region can you do it at York Lions University of all places
0: yeah um so okay quick question if you had players that could play whatever style like it's not an issue the quality is there what is your what is your ideal formation and what system are you implementing? Oh, boy. We, we know you're to... a massive fan of uh, Conte's, Conte's 352, oh, yeah. but.
1: I think, oh boy, it's, I try not to think too much about it because it's, I, I try to be very adaptable when I coach players. I try and coach players for how the game is played now and how the game is going to play in the future. And have some of that kind of just revolves around predicting where we think the game's going to go. So currently, I'm obsessed with, uh, you know, 4-3-3. Right? If we're gonna put a put a formation on it, um, and I would say deep build-up play. So no hoofing along, but maybe place your center backs uh, really deep, maybe on the six yard line from the goal kicks, absorb as much pressure as you can, and uh, exploit space left behind. So I like to play artificially counter attacking soccer if I absolutely can, but. Um, it's maybe it may be a bit too hipster, I think. It's still in its infancy.
0: I, I Tony, think, uh, what do you think as a as an arch pragmatist?
2: Um that's fake news, f- first of all. <laughs> 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 I don't I don't uh, I don't subscribe to slander.
1: <laughs> I'm basically anti Bielsa and hazardoodle propaganda. That's what I came on Jeez, The right. man's got <laughs> receipts. That's <what> I'm <laughs>
2: Listen, listen. My 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 Bielsa slander has nothing to do with the man's <laughs> tactics and everything to do with everyone overhyping him. But his tactics, his style of football, is actually what I like. I'm I'm very much a high press, recycle the ball very quickly, move it and score goals. I'm not a tiki taka person. I, I don't care. Uh, I just literally do not care. <laughs> I'd rather watch. You know, if I have to pick between Liverpool and Man City, I'll pick, like, Liverpool the way that they play. I just want the ball up the pitch as quickly as possible. And I like my fullbacks to defend, as well as my fullbacks to be able to cross. I like them to do both things. I don't like defenders who cannot defend like trent alexander arnold i don't like it that's just me <laughs> i don't think I, I don't think a dennis irwin type per, like type of player is that much too too much to ask for here that's all i'm saying so alex i will not entertain slander and libel and any other listen, thing associated listen, with you've you
0: got one bisaka he doesn't
2: cross the halfway line very much hey you, hey he gets perfect. as many assists as the guys that you like the numbers men lie, oh, women man. lie, numbers don't. Just saying. <laughs> Is he even human though?
1: No. talking <laughs> the Soccer, so tackle merchant. You know, all of his all of his highlights are just tackles. But if you look at him, he's he's a pressing trigger. Every time he gets the ball, teams know not to press him until he gets too too high up because they know he's gonna he's gonna cock it up. Um, <laughs> I think he's a, I think he's a failed center back, made fullback, kinda like Pavard. Pavard's not a great fullback, but He's also not a great center back either, but he can play both. I think is kind of kind of falls in that same category. He's actually category a failed winger,
2: funny enough. <laughs> yeah, he's a failed winger him. turn turned right back. And the funny thing is, he's very press resistant. When you look at the statistics and look at the 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 video uh analysis of him, you can't press him because he's a passive move or he'll just dribble past you. But then they know, ah, okay. You beat the press. All right. <laughs> now cross the ball. Like, okay. He's not going to pa- cross the ball. He's going to pass it inside. But he'll still get you four assists and two goals a season. I, I say
0: he's a he's a new breed of press resistant where, like, if you press him and you get the ball, he just immediately tackles you back. So it doesn't count. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you, know, you know the thing? Uh bissaka I think I like him a lot because he reminds me mentally of myself in that, like... I was a striker, then a winger, then a fullback, then centre back. So he may end up centre back, but my thing is, I always told people, including Mohamed, you will never get past me. It won't happen. Just forget it. <laughs> like, that is it, true. And it doesn't happen. I talk all the time: if attacker thinks he's a shit, I'll tackle shit out of him.
0: <laughs> Your feet into the knees, baby. That's what we want to see. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, well, Cam, Cam, as far as I understand, is a target man. So you might have, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the two of you go, go head to head.
1: Didn't start that way. I used to be a goalkeeper, um, from like age thirteen to eighteen, and then I didn't have to play with my friends from high school anymore. And I joined a men's league team. And I just told them, "No, I'm a striker," and they kind of believe me. And uh, I I score five or six goals in a in a twelve game season, and they don't complain. And that's hey. that's it. I've, I've adopted, have have adopted uh, the striker role.
0: That's one and two, man. That before before Ronaldo and Messi, that that was like, that's all you could ask for. Well, Cam
2: is twenty-three. He doesn't know a life before Ronaldo and Messi. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... On that, so you're you're a target man. Let's 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 talk a little bit about um target men. I know we're gonna get to internationals, but I don't find them interesting. So let's, let's let's talk about what's been going on. Harry Kane is a target man. He's more than that, sure, but fine. He's a target man, and he was about. Well, he was very close, depending on who you ask. Was coming to your club, right? And your club being Man City, oil money. You're the only other Man City fan I ever met in my life, so not hey. that many of you. But I w- anyway, I will
0: say in his Twitter bio,
2: it does say "Glory Hunter." I do want to fair. Is fair. He's, he's nothing but honest. But <laughs> um, what do you think of Harry Kane? And were you upset that it did not go through?
1: I'll be honest with you. Like I've seen Steven Ireland play for my club. I've seen Craig Bellamy play for City. I don't. I don't care who we sign, as long as it's a, anyone's an upgrade, as far as I'm concerned. I'm having a very hard time, like I, these days, identifying with what City has become because we have so much money now, and we can quite literally buy any, anybody we want, except for Harry Kane, I guess. Um, but I'm not too bothered by it. You know, Ferran Torres seems to have stepped up. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do it consistently because. I mean he's 21 or 22, so that's a miss. Gabriel Jesus is not a striker, as far as I'm concerned. I would have liked to have signed Harry Kane. I just don't know if I don't know how he would have fit in because I don't know if I would call him a target man. I think he's kind of adopted this more creative role. You know, Jose and you know Jose Marino made him a number 10 and he would just do long balls into Son on the counter attack, and I think that's where he's most comfortable. He drops quite deep, but we've already got so many players who drop. Quite deep, um, so maybe it would be nice to have a natural finisher like a Sergio, like you know, we Sergio Aguero. But um, I'm not, I'm not too, not too bothered by it. I think we'll still win the league, and I don't know if it'll be comfortable, but I think we'll still win the league.
0: So yeah, I think I think it's interesting with Kane in that I think he obviously drops deep and does a lot of creative work for Spurs, but in large part I think that's because since like end Pochettino era they haven't really been able to keep the ball that well. And then Ericsson left. And so there was this massive creative void. And he kind of stepped into it while also being the main goal scorer. And I just think, like, he's smart enough. I don't think he's a very intelligent human being at all. But his football IQ is extremely (laughs) high. (laughs) And I think he's smart enough to know that if he joins City with, you know, De Bruyne, who he desperately wants to be on the end of passes from, and uh, Grealish and Foden, et cetera, that dropping deep would be a waste of time. And what they need is is someone in the box to to finish chances. And I think he's smart enough to, to work that out and, and fulfill that role. But what r- really surprised me was that, A, if City identified him as the guy that they needed, they clearly didn't push the boat out and weren't prepared to pay the money for him. And B, how is there no backup target? Like, if you've identified that you need a number nine, surely there must be someone else that could, if not do the job, a hundred percent might be able to do 75, 80. You know what I mean?
1: I don't, I think we just dropped the ball. I don't, I don't understand the Jack really signing to be, I think it feels like a side grade. We've got plenty of wide attacking midfielders. I don't, he's a great player. I don't get me wrong. And I'm happy to have him, but a hundred, it's a hundred million pounds. I don't want to say wasted, but he could have been, could use that somewhere else. I think, um, no striker we'll live we'll live perhaps a football hipster we don't need we don't need number nines just we'll just false nine vibes as far as i'm concerned that's what we're gonna
2: get i i I actually agree with you yeah Yeah, i i I agree with you cam because we said this on the podcast the Grealish signing made no sense like a hundred million for what are you anticipating someone is going to leave because there were rumors of shifting raheem sterling which honestly is impossible. Like, I don't care what anyone says until that guy's contract is a year out or something, or he's not going. There isn't the market for Raheem Sterling. I don't think he's, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's as rated as highly as City rate him outside of City. So I don't think anyone's going to pay 60, 70 million for Raheem Sterling, which is what you would want. And then there's, you couldn't even ship Bernardo Silva, <laughs> who, uh, who asked to leave. And then you got Ferran who really is a winger. You're now playing Jesus on the wing, though you need a striker anyway. And Mares is around. Foden plays on the wing. I'm like, I just didn't see where that 100 million was necessary. In fact, I, I thought two things. Striker. And if you don't want to play for, for Rodri or Fernandinho as a defensive midfielder, maybe you need to buy another one. I don't know. <laughs> or, or how about this idea? How about this novel idea? A left back. <laughs> we, haven't
1: seen, we, haven't a lot. we haven't been able to sign a left back since you know Zinchenko Mendy uh, these are all terrible players, they're not left backs um, you know what I, I think I think we just bought Jack Grealish because uh, like, I have a conspiracy theory, I think it's just PR you know, he's a, he gives me a David Beckham vibe, you know what I mean he's very charming, mm. he's very cool and collected and you can market him to a lot of people but I think he's a side grade there's no, there's no need for Jack Grealish. And we, tried to, we tried to sell off Bernardo Silva, but I don't know why no one wanted him. He's pretty, pretty good. I, like, I rate him pretty highly. He can play as an eight, can play as a winger. Quite tricky, quite creative as well. Very similar to Grealish. Um, maybe doesn't win as many fouls and uh, doesn't have as nice of calves, but uh, can certainly do the job. It's, How much, much would you sell him for?
2: What do, think, what do you think his market value is? 60 million pounds yeah that's why think, no one no bottom yeah, that's <laughs> the
0: problem the only link i saw was atletico madrid and like i want him to go somewhere and be happy i really like bernardo apart from the racism blind spot um and <laughs> um but i just don't think like i but as bernie knows i'm a massive fan of thomas lamar um but like atleti is not the place to go for your little creative wingers because they just get run into the ground in your little four-four-two, oh, yeah. and uh, we never see anything from them. So, but but that was the only link I saw, which is surprising, I guess. Except that, yeah, fifty-sixty million is very difficult for a lot of people right now.
1: That's fine. And well, I guess we'll just, I guess we'll keep Bernardo Silva. Somehow we'll manage. It's a, it's
2: a. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you exactly what's gonna happen. Okay, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna have a bunch of injuries. Okay, to wingers. And everyone's gonna be like, "What are they going to do?" <laughs> and then Bernardo Silva will show up and score fifty goals. And this is why I say this: last season, to me, was the most impressive of Pep's wins, and it was because De Bruyne was out. And I know you've kind of you won a league with De Bruyne not really playing that much, but it was the fact that Gundogan stepped up and turned into. I don't know what, like a striker. <laughs> Lampard. That's what
0: I call. Lampard. Say that again? Yeah. Lampard, German Zidane. Yeah,
1: those are like, some pretty good comparisons.
2: Exactly. Like, I, no, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think he had it in him. I don't know what he did, what he ate. I think he needs to be checked for drugs. Um, like I don't understand. But you won like almost every game from January onwards, uh, effectively on the man's back, and you can't to me when people tell me oh yeah chelsea <laughs> are the favorites i'm like you can't minute you like you can't plan for who's going to step up at city to save you and also i think city are only team who can win 20 games in a row personally i don't i don't think any of the other teams can do that so i can't look past city no matter what Tuchel has done or the fact he has his number i think people get really over hyper focused on what happened in the short term and forget what this city team is like it's it's honestly a bunch of drug enhanced people who keep <laughs> passing the drug test <laughs> it's the only right. thing i can i can use to explain this big big reason
1: why gundigan turned into this superstar in that uh, december to i guess go as far as say february march period was uh pep decided to use uh cancello you know to, he just decided to use them all of a sudden. Um, big, big reason why Gundogan was afforded this this free flowing role uh, is because our back four shifts into a back three in possession. Cancelo can play on left or right, and in between games, Cancelo would just swap wings. So that's one issue that uh, teams had to deal with. Cancelo is quite good at holding the width, um, so you can create space for players like Gundogan to just move into. But he's also quite uh, adept at uh, I guess sitting inside as well almost like an inverted winger uh, Cancelo so that Cancelo role was I would say pivotal and getting the best out of most players and Gundogan was I would say the best uh, who, who got the most brought out of him just because the amount of space he was given uh, teams now are starting to shift into this back three in possession where one fullback goes goes wide uh, and joins the attack and forms uh, I guess a front line of five attackers but it doesn't work as effectively because cancelo's ambidextrous he can use both feet quite confidently so he can and he can play both roles as a wide winger or an inverted winger and create space for different players gundagin was just never afforded that kind of space in seasons past he's always been used as kind of a six um which he's not in in my opinion he's not a six he can't hold uh he's not he's not he's not a cdm
2: he's more of an eight right
1: yeah i would say so he's a 8, borderline 10, but uh, it's, it worked. And he I don't want to say he got found out, but teams just eventually started. Uh, they would man-mark him more specifically. They would throw another defender in. So instead of playing the back four, throw the back five. Uh, simple changes that you kind of have to force teams to do that most teams don't want to do because most teams don't want to play another defender. Most teams don't want to man-mark so religiously, uh, at least not in, in the modern game at the highest level. So I think oh. that's what's really going to get to get to that level. I don't think we'll see it again, unfortunately, because once you you kind of you showed the world what you can do, yeah. it, you know to stop it. So it was nice to see, though.
0: It was it was nice, for for a guy who's like a two goal a season player to suddenly get like was it thirteen? I think like it just felt good for him. You yeah. Know? Just, and also says he just needed someone to step up in that period. But I think you're right. I think you have in the Premier League at least probably like a. 10 to 12 game window where, like, if you stumble across something new and something that works, people will take a couple of months to work it out, and you've got that time and you, you can make that impact. Apart from actually, while I say that, uh, Leicester's title winning season, where they're just like Vardy over the top, sure, no one's gonna defend it for a whole season and just let <laughs> them keep doing it. That was the maybe the one, the one exception.
2: I think, I think everyone thought. Eh, you know what? It's gonna stop working at some point, and it just <laughs> like that. That was a level of coaching <laughs> in the Premier League at that point. That um,
1: season was a blur, man. Everyone just shot the bed that season. It was so gross to watch. No one had a fun season to watch that season. I hated
2: it. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, just just sticking sticking with City. Um, I'm curious about uh, Pep in terms of like we all know, you know. My my guys suffered at his hands in two Champions League finals. It's very painful, I understand. Believe me, the best team I've ever witnessed in my life, even though I hate tiki-taka and it's boring. I'll admit that. But he did get ousted two times? No, FA Cup? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I don't know who beat them. I can't remember. Was it Chelsea? Yeah,
1: semi-final against Chelsea last season. And
2: the Champions League final...
1: And last season as well,
2: yeah. Okay. So those those two. And a lot of people blamed his setup. And then if you go back to previous season, Leon in the Champions League as well. Why why do you think that at least with City, Pep fi- well, actually I have an hypothesis. My hypothesis is this that when it comes Ryan to Premier well. League, Pep just goes, I'm not really gonna break things. You know, this is how I wanna play. This is these are tactics that we've worked on, cool. And it works, but when it like I believe when it comes to those clutch moments, I think he feels a lot of pressure, um, and he overthinks it. I thought from a coaching perspective, you know, what what is your analysis of Pep in those sort of scenarios?
0: Okay, can I just it, it just man, reeks before system you?
1: System. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Sorry, man. I just like, before you answer, it it always reminds me of like a massive art. It's like Pep is like the Rolling Stones showing up to. A, a huge concert and just being like fuck you we're not playing the hits here's some new shit we've been working on and it never, it doesn't go down well you know
1: <laughs> he overthinks it i think that i think that that's it he overthinks it and i think he doesn't i don't think he trusted the players against leon uh oh that game fucking sucked i hated that game so much man i just to put it bluntly that game was so bad you play eric garcia who's like i don't know five six or something. Stones wasn't even featured in the squad. Not a Mendy was still there. Adam a he, he's lucky enough to not, to not be in a retirement home at this age. <laughs> um, he's aging like d Michaelis did. Um, <laughs> to play that back three is gross. Um, and it didn't work because we haven't played a back three all season that season. Um, and then Leon just uh, they had their game plan. They stuck to it. I don't know why Pep put a back three. I think he just didn't trust his players. And when you're coaching a team for an entire season, and I'm not an elite-level coach, I'll be the first to say that, but if you're working on something an entire season and it, you're having good results with it, don't, don't change it. Don't, don't fix what isn't broken. So I think he just didn't believe in his players. He just, just wasn't confident with them. And then with this Chelsea, you know, the FA Cup, the FA Cup semifinal, um, I think Chelsea were just better. And they won the championship. Well, they've, they've assembled this type of super system now, that's made up of individuals where everyone plays to their strengths. But I think this team is going to be very short-lived. It's a conversation for a different day, maybe. But this Chelsea team might have eighteen months to two years before you stop seeing, uh, you know, this beautiful football that Tuchel is playing.
0: So but- I mean, I we we a hundred percent agree with that. In that, from the moment. Tokel took over and it's gone almost perfectly so far, but we have always said that like he combusts after 18 months, give or take. It's either the relationship Mm -hmm. with the players or the relationship with the executives above him, but something will blow up and Chelsea, like they, they work on like an 18 month cycle anyway, right?
1: It's inevitable. Right. And that's okay. Tokel won a champions. Like not many managers can say they did, but, um, the football is predictable. We know how he plays. It's just gonna take him out of time before people figure it out and how to accommodate their teams for it. But the Champions League final, City didn't play a six. I think out of all the games we played that season, it's that simple. By the way, it is literally that simple. We didn't we just didn't play a six. There is no. It was just vibes, as far as I'm concerned. Possession and vibes was it. That was the tactics.
2: That was gonna be my my next question because I think sometimes we we like you know as couch critics we sit down here and we're like it's literally that simple right and then people are like well there's this and there's that and to me it was because especially when you looked at the way chelsea were attacking it was like they just drew a straight line (laughs) and said we're going right through you we're not going wide we're literally going down the middle and i thought is it that simple
1: really it's that simple it's that simple
0: it was completely inexplicable it really was i just and even even if you, even if you think it might work, like go to it second half, if if you want, but start the game with a defensive midfielder. Get to half time. Get to sixty minutes. Get to seventy five minutes. It's a long game. You know, Champions League finals are, are tense. They're cagey. You pro- you might go to extra time. The, just the gap in the middle of the pitch was unreal. I had this conversation uh, just yesterday. Um... And
1: we talked about, can we see a team of, I guess, uh, adaptable players ever beating a team of specialists? And the Champions League final is a good example of that, just not happening. You take a look at, you know, Holland in the 80s, I guess from the 70s to the 90s, right? That team was just total football. Every single like that, that country produced total football. That's their, mm-hmm. That was their mantra. That was their style of play. Players can move in and out of different roles as the game went on. Never won an international trophy. They made it to two finals, but no trophies. So it can be done. But when you go up against a team of specialists like Chelsea, who everyone has roles that they have to play, they don't need to wear several hats as the game goes on. It's much easier to coach, and it's much easier to, uh, I guess, attack. It's much, it's much easier to play in every trans every every phase, any transition you want. Every player knows where they have to go. Your sixes, your eights, your tens—they all know where they have to go. Your fullbacks. Defenders, they all know where to go. Cancello, if he's playing as a, if he's starting on the right, if you see him on the team sheet, you start on the right. But as possession goes on, he's playing as a left winger. You can get killed in transition. It doesn't take a rocket science, rocket scientist to figure that out.
2: Well, Pep might might have might as well have called <laughs> one in like again, he's a genius, but it's just baffling some of these the these decisions. Um, so I I, I, want, I wanted I wanted to ask you this in terms of. You know, Alex and I talked about this and we were like, should we talk about international football? And I'm sort of going to make the executive decision. No, I don't care. Because, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, Argentina, Brazil happened, whatever. We all we all know what happened there. Um, but I, I'm curious for sort of, you know, we'll get into your sort of future coaching at the end. Um, I, I just said that so I'd make sure I don't forget that. But um, in terms of... What do you think – let's go quickly. Who do you think is going to be the top four in the Premier League this season? And then I'll ask you who you think is going to be top scorer and signing of the season. I
1: think it's going to be City, Chelsea.
2: By the way, whatever you say, we're going to hold you to it like your West Brom prediction (laughs) last season. Just just letting you know. (laughs) I didn't know
1: it was coming to West Brom. Um, City, Chelsea, United. And uh, uh, Leicester. I think Leicester will do it.
0: And Ooh, then, Liverpool dropping out. Yeah. Big shout.
1: Yeah. Well, I forgot about Liverpool. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think Van Dijk is going to be that big of an addition. I don't rate Konate that highly. Okay. Um, and then who else we got? Top scorer, probably Lukaku. Yeah, probably Lukaku. I don't see it. <sighs> No, you don't see it.
2: Who do you who, who do you have? I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear Ronaldo, burning. I hear No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I don't think Ronaldo is gonna be top scorer at all. Like United can score a lot of goals as, as we've seen in the last couple of years, but they share them around a bit. I, yeah, I I I don't think he's gonna get like a 30 goals season. I think Salah will be top scorer to be honest with you. Um, he's always there and thereabouts. I don't think Kane will be there thereabouts this season. I don't see it, um, but Salah for me is a lock. Um, I don't think Lukaku will score as many goals as people think for a very similar reason as Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that United do score more goals and they score a lot of goals. So that's fair, but Rashford's got to get his, Mason's got to get his, Kaplan's got to get his. And I get that, that Lukaku is the point person for Chelsea, but Chelsea don't actually create as many chances as people have made it seem to be. They just don't like because verner missed a whole shitload of things people assume that oh my god lukaku's gonna score those but like if you watch them play they are a brilliant team but are they creating five six seven like easy chances a game especially now with the premier league is is more competitive west ham are good leicester are good liverpool are good city are good united are good I, i'm not sure i think salah is knows the league Liverpool, they understand what's going on. He's always there, thereabouts. He's got a first touch to get that one in there. Salah, for me, is going to be top scorer in this league.
0: I've got two alternative shouts. I I think I might agree with you on Salah. He's won it, like, what, four out of the last six? Something weird like that. It's It's crazy. It's it's a lot. Two alternative shouts. One is Mikel Antonio if he doesn't break down. (laughs) (laughs) And that's entirely (laughs) based on the last month. (laughs) Um And the other one is Brighton are, are the XG Kings, right? No, 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 if, no, if no, no, no. If Odson Edouard no, no. finishes all them chances <laughs> that Neil Mopé has been missing, he might get 20 goals.
2: Wait, did I miss something? Didn't Odson Edward go to oh, Palace? Oh, shit, he went to Palace. Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> He's never getting a chance in
0: his life. <laughs> Wait, so... Do Brighton still not have a strike they don't have a striker still.
1: I got like He's a he's a striker, not a good striker. I could probably do better than Mope to be I fair. I was gonna
0: say you should volunteer to be like under 18s analyst <laughs> and striker.
1: Yeah, there we go. I can do it. I'm sure I could uh give me a couple of weeks to get match fit. I could probably put a you
2: are you are twenty three, so your prime is coming. You're not even at your prime yet, so <laughs> Yeah,
1: I right. still got a, my best years are ahead of me still, so uh, I'll send a I'll send an email to Potter and see what he says.
0: Exactly, a
2: massive fan of Potter, by the way. Um, I said signing of the season, but let's go relegation oh, yeah. first before we get there. Because oh, a- I'll I'll reiterate, last season he said that West Brom would avoid relegation, and I said you're full of shit. Now, by the way, if people supported. Cameron, in this, I wouldn't blame you because he got Italy winning the Euros, correct? And And there was another one. I mean, you got the whole bracket correct, almost,
0: didn't you? And I got
1: the I got the semi, I got the quarterfinals to the finals correct for the Euros. So I'll
2: take that. And you got Inter winning Syria, correct? So the man's track record is good, good. yep, but not that good. (laughs) got, Got
0: let down by Sam Allardyce.
1: Uh, that's the thing that a few a few blemishes to keep me honest I didn't think Big Sam was going to go down to be fair I just, Big Sam right you just assume when he takes over um, you're safe I guess not but I guess this season Norwich uh, they should have gone down last season Norwich are a pretty good shout I don't rate Norwich that high I, I don't in no particular order probably Norwich Burnley Brenton I don't think i going to go down I don't think, I don't think uh, Watford would go down either. That's a shame. Palace, I don't, I don't really, I don't rate Vieira. I don't. I think that the number of signings they've made, um, it's just too much, to, too much disruption. Not enough time to settle, get a decent group together. So Palace, uh, Burnley, and um, Norwich.
0: Interesting. I think that's, I think that's fair, and I think. I don't want norwich to go down i don't want palace to go down but i would take it if it meant burnley (laughs) fucked off i would absolutely take that anyway um can we only have a few minutes we've got and um but we want to hear more about what's next for you or as much as you are able to tell us
1: yeah i hate to be you know super mysterious about it but i do have to be i did have to sign a few NDAs. a lot of these uh, clubs don't like it when you broadcast that you're in, t- you're in talks with them. And that's fun to say I'm in talks with clubs, but they don't like it when you say that you're in talks. So um, I've had a few uh, offers from China. A few off- I have one really serious offer from Malaysia and a serious coach another offer from South Africa. All of these are coaching um, uh, jobs, but it- I'm, not, I'm not exactly looking forward to going to Asia quite yet um, when I applied for them. And when I was offered them, now we're kind of negotiating. Uh, I was quite confident in my coaching abilities, and I still am to a huge extent. But I think I want to get my UEFA C license in December before accepting anything, uh, just because there's so much I don't know. And I think that the three weeks I'm going to be spending in Scotland in December are um, going to be invaluable. And that's really going to be, I guess how am I determined? Am I ready to leave Canada or not? I do think I'm I'm ready to leave Canada when compared to other Canadian coaches. But if I compare myself to coaches in Europe or you know people who have just played the game since birth, uh, who have been with bigger academies and more reputable countries, I want to see how I stack up to those types of people, and that's what's going to happen in Scotland. But in the immediate future, I'm to continue coaching here in canada um i'm hoping by next spring at the latest uh i'm either in asia or europe that's the plan
2: look at you see you see you notice what he just did what he's just done he's a glory hunter all right yes. in terms of supporting but in terms of his career he's taking the route that let me just use football players as an analogy because I don't know anything about coaches that most players would not take. Most players will chase that money, right? Especially when China was hot a couple of years ago, you know, Graziano, Pelle and the rest of them were like, I'm going to earn that money in China and then come back later. This man is, is working on his craft and his mm-hmm. career and not chasing. There's, um, I actually use this I mentor kids and I use this phrase and I always say it's from Strauss Ferguson because I love it, where he said, don't chase the money improve your game and the money will chase you and and i've always liked that quote and i think you know i'm glad that you're applying that philosophy here because you're going to work on your craft and you believe in yourself and when you're done you know hey we're talking about asia europe might come calling right
1: (laughs) yeah i know right it's uh it's a bit it's a bit overwhelming i think i told alex this um 18 months ago almost two years ago i was electrical apprentice and um Good job, don't get me wrong. I liked it and I can always go back to it. I'm still, I'm actually wearing a company shirt at the moment, but um, if you told me 18 months ago, two years ago, I can go make uh, a living doing soccer as a job, as a Canadian, I would have I would have laughed. I didn't think it was possible. It was just kind of a hobby that I did at night or on weekends, you know what I mean? But uh, now that I, I guess COVID happened, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of time to think about what I can do in the future. I'm confident we'll see We'll see how it goes. I know I have, a, I have a few friends here in Canada who are quite comfortable. They want to stay in Canada. Uh, and that's fine. That's great. But there's no, there's no money in it long term.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think at least there's no money in it without stretching yourself thin. You're going to be overworked, underpaid uh, here. So real challenges abroad see how I do in different environments. I'm still young, so I can get away with making a few fuck-ups if uh, international coaching doesn't work out too well. So the uh, future looks good, I'm confident. And uh, I also told like Alex you guys have been instrumental in this and everybody on, on Twitter really, all these job opportunities came to me through Twitter. Um, and one thing I tell everybody is use Twitter like it's your, uh, your resume or your portfolio because everything you put on here, whether it be an article, a video or whatever people see it you know you might see on your podcast or your videos you get 100 or 200 listens or whatever it is 200 people were listening and mm-hmm. those are real people real thoughts real interests listening to you take advantage of that and then people will, I guess like yeah like fergie said you know the money comes to you and that's exactly what's happened here so my biggest piece of advice to anybody who's a coach or an analyst or whatever they want to do in football keep doing work for uh for your own interest first of all and second of all share with as many people as you can because you never know who's watching and uh, you never know what doors can open
0: absolutely and and i will will say two things one is if you do end up in malaysia speak to bernie he used to live there um and the other thing is like if you go to a small enough club they might need you to do the electric stuff as well so (laughs) it's (laughs) you've only strengthened your position with that, but listen, man, uh, we going to end there. But we wish you the absolute best of luck. I think it used to say, yeah, maybe it still does in your Twitter bio that Canadian men's coach by twenty thirty. Uh, that's what we're holding you to. Uh,
2: no, that's... we're we're gonna we're gonna do better. We're gonna do twenty twenty six on home soil. Well, the one game we'll get to play in the World Cup in Canada. You will be leading the men's team, and Jonathan David to. Probably a draw against like England or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm starting Herdman out right now. <laughs> Very high expectations.
1: I Herdman appreciate out,
0: that. Herbert in. Anyway, uh, yeah, we better leave it there. Cameron, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and we will we will do this again. Thank you
1: for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, at Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the Kosh, And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to under the Um. First things first,
0: how do we pronounce your surname properly?
1: Uh, Herbert. H-E-R. Okay. All pretty
0: right. Pretty cool. I thought there might be an Albert or something, you, know? No, you no, know? no, no, no. No, no, all
1: no, right. You guys are fine. You guys are Don't worry. I'm <laughs> not going to put the time for that conversation. Is, oh, God. But uh, I've come prepared. I've got tea. I don't know about you guys. Listen. Oh.
2: Uh, I'm going to go get vodka, maybe. That might, that might do it
1: it's a it's a monday night bernie.
2: it's it's been it's been that kind of that kind of weekend <laughs> <laughs>
1: the week just started
0: uh, bernie has been uh parenting 24 hours a day for three days i just for, learned
2: so. yeah so are you a new dad
1: or is this are you
2: i'm a two-year-old and he was wow. a sick two-year-old over the weekend so i
1: glad to hear that so oh, long weekend must have felt
2: really long then. Oh, you got! I'm happy he goes back to daycare tomorrow. I'll tell you that my weekend starts tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but but listen,
0: um, Cameron's brought up a very important point with the uh, cup of tea because as as he knows, like we're very passionate about this, and one of our one of our most popular ever tweet was we tweeted how each of us takes their tea, and it launched mm-hmm. a massive debate.
2: I would even say nationwide. I think worldwide, to be honest. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think it, uh, there were at least 100 comments. And we were like, well, what is going on here? We tweet about football. Eh, you know, it's OK. We tweet about tea and how you like your tea. And the world goes fucking insane.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if anything, we should change our name to Under Tea Kosh, because it would be far more popular. But the point being, uh, Cam, please explain to us how you take your tea and where you fit on the spectrum.
1: So I take my tea the right way. Um, I like to steep it for about 15 minutes. That might be a bit too long, but I like to steep it for about 15, 15 Yeah. I like a strong fruit. Um, and then I like to get my tea. I'll show you guys, but for the people at home, it's hard to tell. A light, light brown. Uh, so a, a bit more than a splash of milk and uh, two teaspoons of sugar. And that's, uh, that's well, how what- I take my
2: the real question is what what brand of tea are we talking about here, and if not just this the brand, is, what type of tea as well?
1: This is Yorkshire Gold black tea.
0: That's proper.
2: Yorkshire Gold black
0: tea. Daniel would approve, I think.
2: Huh. All right. All right. I'll 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 take my Tetleys and, and see what Yorkshire Gold has in store. I <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't know that. All right, we can edit that bit
2: out. <laughs> <laughs> what is Tetley?
1: Tetley's no good. <laughs> I just think when you're when you're having a good, like if you're talking about black tea, I think you can do better than Tetley. I think you deserve better, Bernie.
2: I, I'm a, I'm an English breakfast and Earl Grey kind of guy, so I don't I don't know who the who the OGs of English breakfast are. If anyone we, knows, let me. We know. We
0: probably don't want to know. It involves a lot of colonialism, a lot <laughs> of slave labor. It was probably the. Uh, the East India Company, yeah, that's, well, that's it,
1: the better.
0: It ruins it. Yes. <laughs> I think that's true. Um, okay, housekeeping. Um, cam audio wise, it seems a lot better when you like stay very central and like speak at your computer. Sure, thank you. Um, and